As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Peter Dowd of the IrishGuardian.com joining me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. And we're in for a little bit of an Indian summer. The temperatures are up on, and the weekend is meant to be quite good. I can't wait. I was saying there recently, I know I said it to you before, I think they need to, to rename the, the term Indian summer to Irish summer because we tend yeah. to have our, our best weather in September, October, don't we? Well, it's funny because I saw something online that the, the same week last year was the very same. We had we went into October, it was very mild and we had nice um, sunny weather. Listen, any day that we can get the sunshine, we'll take it. Absolutely. I remember my, my birthday is uh, is uh, next week, not dropping any hints to all your <laughs> listeners. But um, I do remember we had good weather last the same week last year. I remember it well. Yeah. OK, straight into questions. Now, this listener got this the WhatsApp and the picture in, so we were able to get it on to you from John. Hi, Patricia and Peter. My box's hedge isn't doing well. Can I revive it? Or will I have to play, replace it? If I have to replace it, what would you recommend replacing it with? And um, John has sent on a picture of the box is not looking too healthy. No, it's certainly not looking healthy at all. Now, there's two main problems affecting box hedges and and box uh, in general at the moment. One is the box moth caterpillar, which is, as it sounds, a caterpillar which which develops into a moth, kind of a a browny white moth, um, and it just defoliates the boxes very quickly over a period of days, uh, but completely defoliates it. Uh, and then you have box blight. Now, looking at John's picture, I think it's quite hard to, to differentiate cert- for certainty from just a photograph. But I do think what he's got, he may actually have both because it seems to be a bit widespread. But I think it's most likely box blight because the, the main differences are with the box moth caterpillar. Nearly, you, it's completely defoliated. It's, it's completely leafless within a few days. With the box blight, uh, the leaves go brown and and kind of a bit like they've been burnt and then they, they drop them but it's not quite as quickly it's a more gradual dieback and, and like in John's picture there it's not leafless it's just a lot of the leaves are brown so I think he's got blight but in the back of the picture uh, as the, I'll put the picture up on Facebook to, to show it to people but as the uh, if you go to the back behind the main boxes that we're looking at the hedge looks to be 
leafless, so he could actually have both. Now, unfortunately, blight is quite treatable nowadays. Like top boxes do a product for box blight, and, and also just copper sulfate uh, uh, can work to to prevent the the spread of box blight. Uh, and plants are building up a bit of a resistance where, you know, 20 years ago when it was first appearing, it, they were it was they were history, but now they kind of, they are coming back on their own. Um, the box moth caterpillar is more problematic. It, really, I mean, no insecticide would work, not that I'd be recommending one anyway. Um, there are some parasitic wasps and things that, that will work against it. And in fact, ants, which were often asked, how do we get rid of ants in the garden? Ants are your friends in this one because they will also attack, attack the bots, moth caterpillar. It's all about the natural balance, which I'm always talking about, Rich. If we kind of let nature to its own, it'll take care of it. But I, I think he probably would be better off in replacing it, yes, taking out what's there and replacing it. And I'd look at uh, something that's plants that are similar to box, but aren't box. One is, it's an awful mouthful of a name, I'm afraid. It's Euonymus japonicus, um, uh, and it's microphyllus, so small leaf, microphyllus. It looks quite like the, 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 the box plant. And the other is a Japanese holly, which is Ilex crenata, which again looks very, very like box. But these, now the, the Ilex has its own issues in that it, it can be prone to some, some infections as well. But the, the Euonymus tends not to be, like every plant is, is prone to a degree to something. But uh, the Euonymus is less trouble, certainly. It's a very small leaf green Euonymus. And I think that would probably be the thing that I would opt to replace it with. Instead. OK, good luck with that, John. Uh, Margaret says, hi, uh, Peter. I'm considering planting beech hedging in my garden. And I was wondering, when is the best time to do it? How far apart should I plant each one to make sure there are no gaps into the future? Yeah, well, I love beech hedge. It's probably my favourite of all of them. I love the, the winter look and, and the summer. It's just a lovely, constantly changing hedge. Um so when you should do it, you'll get them what's called bare root, which means they're lifted in the nursery field as opposed to being grown in pots. And plants are only available bare root kind of your window is from November. If you know, it depends on nature because, it, you know, it, plants have to be dormant. So, so in some years it might be October, but it's certainly not going to be October this year. So normally you would say they're available between November and February, but it is dependent on, on temperature. Um. So that's the best time to do it because it, it's number one, I suppose, they're much, much cheaper to buy them that way than it is in pots. And number two, it's it's traditionally the right time for planting. And it's because the plants get a chance to establish before they come into growth in the spring. Now, do bear in mind, in, in the first two years after you plant beech, um, keep them very, very well watered during the, the spring and summer months. They are you, they are at risk of dying from, from even just a day or two's lack of water in the first couple of years. So do pay attention to that. Space them. It does depend on the size of plant you get in terms of the spacing, but I would say normal kind of size plants up to a few feet tall, uh, I would space them at about 18 inches. But the, really the best way to grow a beech hedge is to do what we call a double staggered row. So you, you would grow... Uh, you would plant a, a line of beech trish 18 inches apart and then you would come forward about 50 centimetre or 18 inches again and plant another row of them in the gaps, if you know what I mean, mm. or in front of the gaps. Yeah, to get you a have really what's called good a double staggered row. Yeah, and you get a really good full hedge out of that. You do, and much quicker, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good advice. Uh, hi, uh, Peter. W- yeah, okay. Uh, would I be able to cut my hydrangeas right back down to about a foot from the ground. The reason I'm asking is they're extremely high and they're actually taking over a part of my lawn. You you could, like as we've discussed many times, Trisha, if you cut them too hard, what you'll, what you'll find is they won't flower next year. 
that magic number is seven, seven nodes counting from the ground up. If the, if if you go if you leave less than seven nodes in a stem, they won't flower next year. But you won't harm the plant. But I wonder what I look at if they're taking over that part of the garden. They're obviously good and mature. This 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 is going to be an. Uh, maintenance each year like if you need to cut them back that hard i wonder are they in the wrong place is what i'm getting at i wonder would you be better off moving them um which could be done during the winter months so the answer to the question is yes you can cut them back but if you need to cut them back that hard every year you're never going to have flowers so if you can cut them back to three or four feet they'll they'll bush out then next year to maybe six or seven foot in diameter if you can tolerate that if the space can tolerate that that's probably the best thing to do if not um i would move them somewhere else Okay, Carmel was on from Mitchester and was on to John Paul and John Paul hopes that we can understand this. Carmel says that she has a beautiful rose sweet pea. Uh, she had it until the wind and rain and Storm Agnes and all of that. And now there's no buds on the plant or pods. She said she used to gather up the seeds uh, of the plant uh, and uh, would give them to other people and they grow from that and they would blossom every year. And she was wondering, uh, there's none this year. Is it down to the storm damage? I would say without question, yeah, if, if they flowered, if, if the sweet pea flowered, then, um, and I don't know what John Paul's talking about, I have no problem understanding the question. <laughs> I think John Paul didn't understand what poor Carmel was going on about. <laughs> We've had far more difficult ones. Um, so, so yes, if the, if the plant flowered, then it produced seed. So, um, I would imagine it's the storm that put pay to a Jess without question. Now, the, the, I suppose the other side of that is that the, 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 the storm had acted as a seed dispersal agent, if yeah. you know what I mean. So you you might get sweet peas popping up all over, uh, all over the garden next year. And in fact, I did a piece on on the Today Show last week with Dahi about just this, about how to collect sweet pea seeds and grow your own. And um, not only will you save loads of money, of course, because you know it's a few euros for every packet of seeds, um, but you can do what 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 Carmen was suggesting: handing give give seeds to to friends and neighbours. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lovely thing to do. Um, hi, this is from Mary. Could you ask Peter, what should I do with my geraniums for the winter? They've been outdoor in pots all summer. Well, if they're in pots, that's great news because that means it's quite straightforward. Just move them in for the winter. Uh, I don't think, now this, as soon as I say this, of course, it'll happen, but I don't think we've any risk of frost just yet. But certainly when we are running into to, to the risk of, of low temperatures and down to zero or plus one or two, certainly at that stage, move them in for the winter. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, in a glass house or anything like that, even a garden shed or a carport, anything like that would do just to protect them from the frost. If you don't have that option at all, get yourself a roll of what's called horticultural fleece, which is a breathable material, Trish, which you just drape over the geraniums, if you like, or wrap them up in it. It has to be fleece or something breathable like that because covering them in polythene or plastic and that, you know, that's not breathable. So you'll have condensation buildup, which will lead to fungal problems. So uh, I would say ideally bring them in or, as I say, even a carport or something like that. Uh, or else wrap them up in a bit of fleece. Mary wants to cut back her flame of the forest. Can she replant what she cuts off? Well, it's not quite as simple as that. So yes, you could take cuttings. For, no, first of all, let me say, if you're cutting it back now, you will lose next year's flowers. The flowers are on the bush already for the spring. So you might be better off to wait, if you can, wait till after it's flowered and then cut it back. It's also a better time of year then to take to make to take cuttings because the, the temperatures are dropping at this time of the year so um it's gone a bit late to take cuttings however if if you need to cut it back now then do it and, and hope for the best but it's not quite as simple as just 
put the, put the pruning into the soil yeah. and it'll grow. What you need to do is take cuttings about four or six inches in length. You can certainly use the trimming, but um, take cuttings about four to six inches of the length of this year's growth. So it's the green growth, not the kind of brown woody growth, which would be last year's growth, um, into a bit of rooting powder. Just leave two or three leaves on the top of the cutting, into a bit of rooting powder, into some compost. And they should root away, but at this time of the year, I would certainly say they'd have to be inside to, to, to root. Okay. Alternatively, leave it till next spring and, and do it then. OK, well, Parker there, we'll talk to you again next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Thanks a million. That is Peter Dowdell, the Irish Gardener.com.